0: Leobo to the right hand, puts her down, he's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leopold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen,
1: <laughs> welcome to Warriors.
2: My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones, and for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, Fadden, this one's for one's for for you. My name is My Brady, Brady Leibold, and I've been, and and I've Helen been back. to Hell and Back. This this the Road to the me Recover.
3: What, your blade, me too. Give me what is, is going on? Welcome. Podcast.
2: Hockey to Hell and Back episode number 114. I'm Brady Leibold. Coming at you live from colder now muskoka ontario but man i love it here beautiful night outside He's just out there jamming with my buddy johan getting fired up for this show i'm so excited if you're watching live thanks for being here feel free to drop a comment get involved in the conversation if you're listening after the fact thank you so much that's chad campbell if you haven't heard that song hockey to hell and back It's available on Spotify and everywhere. Also on Reels and on TikTok, which is kind of cool. Really excited for this podcast. I've done a lot of podcasts between this show and several others that I've been on. And I'll be honest, sometimes I I was just telling DJ behind the scenes there that sometimes it gets hard. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It's hard to bring it all the time and to bring the energy and um you know, I do my best with everything, but sometimes it feels like, oh, I know I could do better. Um, and I know sometimes going into things, I, I just don't have it. But man, I feel like we got it tonight. I'm excited. I'm super excited. Before we bring in DJ, I want to read a message that I got. I, I don't often read messages, and I just started sharing a few of the ones that I get on my Instagram stories. You know, I've gotten a lot of messages over the last couple of years. This may be the coolest one outside of the message I got from my son Brody. Because it's a two-parter. So I'm going to take a minute because uh, I've read it like six times and I've cried every time. So I'm going to try not to cry. Said hey Brady, I just wanted to take a minute to thank you for being so real, open, and inspiring. You're making a difference on so many levels. I've been contemplating writing you for a couple of weeks now. My daughter, I'm gonna leave her name out, has been in the skills development with you and loving every minute minute of it. To get a 15-year-old out of bed at 6:50 a.m. is no easy task. This morning she was up before me and couldn't wait to get to the rink. I'm gonna cry again. <laughs> Your energy and magnetic personality have her inspired and motivated your ability to connect with each and everyone on the ice is awesome. I love your message and advocacy for mental health and addiction. It touches us all in some ways or another. I've lost a friend to suicide and supported another while he found his way again. Your message is powerful. Congrats on your remarkable recovery. Keep up the good work. You're inspiring people to be better. So. I read that. I had a, I had a little cry. I responded and then I got another message back and this was the message I got back and it literally stopped me in my tracks. Thanks for the reply. I've always been open for discussion with his daughter's name about anything and everything, especially mental health and suicide. Since she met you, and has learned of your story and recovery, we've had some deep conversations. It's so important. Like I said before, your advocacy is leading to some powerful conversations. So thanks again. But to be completely honest with you, I work at CNCC, which is a jail that I was at for a year. And I had you on my unit briefly. I admire your turnaround and recovery. It's inspiring, and I wish there were more success stories like yours. I've worked with youth and adult offenders for 17 years. Sadly, there's not much resources or support to come across your success story and get to witness it every Sunday morning and see how much of a difference you're making is awesome, especially in our youth. Thanks again, Brady. You've inspired my daughter, and I'm sure so many more to be aware and to make a difference when possible so just wanted to share that um it's crazy to think not even three years ago i was in a jail that this guy was working at and now every sunday morning i'm on the ice with his daughter it's uh it just goes to show that you know you can turn your life around and and we can recover um and yeah people are incredible the support so thank you um thank you so much um before we move on, because I'm going to leave the rest of the end, because I really want to get DJ in, this show is brought to you by True Temper Hockey, the great people at True. They sent me some more stuff today. Got the pants on, probably the comfiest pants I've ever had on in my life. Uh, and, of course, their new stick line, the Hazardous, out. Got a new little video to show up. If you haven't seen it. If you're listening, I'm sorry. There's no audio. But if you're watching, I'm telling you, go check out the new True Hazardous. go follow them on social media they've been extremely kind to me and came to me over a year ago when they really had nothing to gain i didn't have any social media following and uh, i was i was high risk low reward i think is what they call it uh and they've supported me and and it's been just incredible so thank you to everyone over there at true hockey you guys know who you are all right so let's get into the bulk of the show here i'm really excited for this and uh before i bring dj in here you know I'm, i've been pretty active on social media in the last couple of years and done my best to kind of share my story and you know i, I don't know i just wasn't seeing a whole lot of it little bits and pieces of other hockey players doing it up until recently somebody really caught my attention thank you to a bunch of people I'll point out specifically Elaine Stirk for for sending DJ my way more more specifically a social media page and it just captivated me and before we bring in DJ I want to play one of his videos uh, just to give you guys a little bit of an idea of what you can uh, expect when you go follow his social media page and, and why he's here tonight.
0: It took me three years to show my face in this hockey rink. Three years. I had so much pressure built in me. I thought I let a lot of people down. Them thinking I was going to reach my highest potential in hockey. I had so much pressure Pressure, which led me to drugs, which led me to alcohol. Kids, players, hockey is meant for fun. If you have anything going on with yourself,
2: please speak up. You have help. All right. Originally drafted by the Everett Silvertip 66 overall. In 2007, I get emotional because I watch his videos and I just relate so much uh, to everything. My new little brother from Kindersley, Saskatchewan, DJ McGrath.
3: There he is.
0: Happy to be here, man. Thanks. Thanks for bringing me on.
2: And super pumped, dude. Thanks so much. And, and thank you so much for all that you've been doing, dude. It's incredible.
0: Oh, ever since obviously being sober last five months it's it's kind of been an eye-opener for me and uh you know i want to give back i'm ready to give back and i know there's not just me or yourself brady that has problems it's i know it's out there and i think we're going to be some good role models to show some kids that there's always light at the end of that tunnel and yeah so i'm really excited to be on here i much really appreciate it
2: first off i gotta i gotta kind of indoctrinate you to hockey down back five months eh? <laughs>
3: Yes, sir. Let's go! Let's
2: go! Awesome, buddy! Awesome, buddy! I wanna—I'm uh, proud of you, man. For for so many reasons, and I—I I, I think that's exactly what's gonna happen, and that's already what's happened through your videos and TikTok. And I know there's a lot of people uh, that you've been already able to help. I see the the questions, and you respond with videos, and your answers are so on point, man. And uh, what a what an extremely uh, useful tool you have become on TikTok. These uh, parents and players are so lucky uh, to have you as a resource. And I feel lucky to have you as a resource and kind of want to get into the bulk of it. I mean, obviously you were a great hockey player growing up and you love the game, right?
0: I mean, passion, hockey, hockey was my life growing up and I'm sure every young kid is the same way. And, um, you know, a flick of a switch, it could change. And, uh, you know, looking back, I know all these, all these older guys telling us younger kids looking back and we're just kind of like buddy you know uh, you never really understand until you're out of that game and you look back and how much you're grateful for how much how many friendships relationships you make and and building in a man you are today i find too so no i really love the game
2: yeah and and that's the thing right i i i'd love the game but i went a long time where i where I resented the game and and wanted to I think I was, I was more about myself and I wanted something or someone to blame all the time uh, and and I, I fell out of love with the game, uh, but you're right there's just so much uh, that good that comes from it, um, but. There was, there's some dark sides of it too, right? And uh, those are the sort of things that I think don't get talked enough about in hockey, and that's sort of what you've taken uh, upon yourself to start talking about. Tell me a little bit why uh, you started, you know, to to just start to share your story. Why now? And 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 sort of what's the what's the goal, Deej?
0: I mean, uh, ten years left the past three years I left the game of hockey um had to leave a little bit of relationships behind of course it's my fault and you know five months started getting more clear-headed my dad always tells me I'm getting clear-headed and um starting to get back to the rink you know when I was going through that tough time I didn't want to show my face in the hockey rink I every time I looked at people I thought I was letting people down you know I when I go watch my old Kinnersley Clippers you know, I was going through the dark times. I couldn't even show my face, you know, because there's always those loyal fans are there. And I feel like I'm letting them guys down, especially being that hometown captain like I was. And it was all that pressure. Now, kind of being that lighter head and, you know, being five months sober now. And I feel like I have that story. And I know, and I know there are kids out there that are going through the exact same thing as me. And um, and they're scared to reach out. And I went through that exact same thing. I, I was scared what people were going to say about me. I was scared about people are going to judge big time being embarrassed and all that. But, uh, at the, like I always say light at the end of the tunnel, man, um, there's always someone out there that is willing to help you. And it's just the fact of doing it. And when I did it, you guys, when I reached out to my parents, it was like, it's almost like I started a new life almost how kind of cheesy that sounds. But I, I found myself again, I wasn't DJ McGrath, you know, I was always trying to impress people and trying to press, my fans, you know, is, it, it was a tough, my buddies and, you know, and hiding everything inside. And it was tough going to work every day, going to practice, you know, it's, it's tough. And there's that time where I, everything built up so quick and, you know, I don't know what was going to happen. I just remember I went over to my parents' house and told dad I was dancing with the devil. And ever since then, man, it's, it's, it's obviously still a struggle every day. Um, uh, I got the support I need and, uh, you know, I'm keeping busy and, this helps me a lot. and Brady, you tell me this, too. You're, you do this stuff to help your side of things. And, you know, it help, it holds me accountable to, to reach out to kids and to say everything is going to be OK. We just got to start reaching out, got to start speaking up. And, you know, you got to realize there's always someone out there for you.
2: When. Yeah, you no, you're absolutely right, Deej. And, and that's a it's a really important message. And I think we'll probably hammer that home as as the show goes on. When when did you notice uh, your struggles start or 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 maybe looking back, do you notice that they started earlier than than you had maybe first anticipated or noticed? Um leaving home and getting drafted, especially from a small town, you talk about your buddies and the pressure that comes with it, your family, and it's kind of like a buzz around town, right? You're pretty oh. high traffic, third round going to the Everett Silver Tips and like put us in 15 year old DJ's position. How were you feeling then? Were you on top of the world or were you already feeling the pressure?
0: You know what? So like even going back a little further, minor hockey, it was the best braids. Like it was, I was always, I was always a leader on every team I played with. Everything was good. I always had that extra level on kids, Uh, pure talent, I guess, you know, I didn't work out. Started like a couple of my stories, started smoking cigarettes. It started, what really started happening is when I moved to Saskatoon and started midget AAA. you know, uh, you really, Saskatoon, you got to
2: dream- contacts, right? You played in yes. contacts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I played for the contacts there and you know, every kid wants to live that dream and me having this talent and people telling me deeds, you're going to go places. And I feel like that's what kind of led uh, the pressure and me letting people down, me moving away from home. You know, everyone could back me up here when you're a 15 year old kid moving away from home and, you got your mom and dad helping you out all the time. And if there's something going on with your life, you do have your mom and dad to go to. But when you move away to the big city, I'm growing up, growing up in a town of 4,500 people. And then I go into Saskatoon, right? And it was quite the eye-opener. And obviously, it started going downhill, started getting pressure, um, started hanging out with people that were in you know, on my hockey team. And yes, that's when the drinking and, and the depression, anxiety started really kicking in for me.
2: Did you tell anybody back then?
0: I didn't man, I, I, you know what, from midget till five months ago, it was, uh, I held everything inside and it was, now that I look back, it's weird because, um, I don't, honestly don't know how I did it. I, I work in a, I'm a, I sell vehicles in Kinnersley, and, you know, I'm dealing with people every day and when I even go to the hot drink, everyone knows everyone around here and everyone knows who I am. And it, I still don't know this day, how I kept everything inside and hid everything. It like gets nuts to this day, man, because I was so lost, I was so depressed, drugs took over my life and you know I was in a dark spot and I was scared to reach out. That's the biggest thing. I was scared what people were going to think of me. I held everything in, thinking the next day if I wake, um, when I'm going to wake up the next day, I'm, I'm going to quit. you know like I always think, start doing something the next day, okay, I'm going to quit, but that's not the case. It, it, it was tough for me, that pressure and everything.
2: Yeah, it's uh it's heavy. It's heavy to carry that around as well. Uh, c- certainly by yourself. I'm so happy that you're not doing that anymore. It must feel uh you must feel obviously you feel a lot better. Um before we skip ahead, I kind of want to ask you about you you talked about you know smoking cigarettes, the the drinking starts, you're you're playing midget triple A, uh hanging out with kids maybe outside of hockey. Um in that moment right? Because now we're talking drugs. You're talking about how the drugs took over, but this is adult DJ. Let's talk about 15, 16 year old DJ. Uh, You're drinking. What about drugs at that point? And where did you ever think you would ever do drugs?
0: No, honestly, I, I didn't. I, you know, I started getting into cocaine. That was when I was in college, but obviously started smoking weed cigarettes and drinking alcohol and 17 year old kid, I didn't think, I didn't think about the end game. Right. I didn't think what that was. I thought it was normal to do. Right. And you know, I didn't think about the end goal of what that was going to lead me, lead me into.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing, right. And and for, I, I think it's so important for, for especially younger Uh, kids to hear that and that's a message that i try to hammer home when i'm talking to them is like if you don't know how your brain is gonna handle you know drinking or or any of these things um, because some people they can handle it but some people can't and they fall into this this deep trap and and if you don't know sometimes it's just better not even to to bother trying like you really got to think before you make these choices because obviously you're saying you didn't you were not thinking at all when you're making these choices you're smoking and everything i did all the same things even while i was playing in swift current same things and, and not just by myself there was other guys on the team we're all doing the same thing thinking we're pretty cool pretty untouchable uh it doesn't matter we got the world by the balls we're like honestly i felt invincible it felt like n- nothing was gonna stop me although inside i felt like complete garbage hmm
0: And I think braids that that's huge, man. Like you said there. And I think that's personally myself. It seemed like I had impressed people. Like I always had, I was always the kid that was the clown. Like I, I I cared what people thought of me. How weird that sounds. Like if I, if I went to a party in Deej, let's, you know, let's shotgun some beers in front of the whole party. Yeah, let's do it. Like I'm cool, man. Exactly how you say, like, we're hockey guys, right? We're, We're top of the world. We think we're a little better than than the average people, but we're not.
2: No, exactly. And that's a that's the thing. And it wasn't it's weird how that there's that progression too. And you think of a young kid coming out of Kindersley like yourself, and then you go to Saskatoon, or can use any any kid that comes from a small town. Let's say they go to the Vancouver Giants or Everett or wherever. Like that's a big change and all of a sudden you're thrust into this culture where you're put on a pedestal you're around older guys 19 20 year olds who are drinking and doing things and in most cases you know not necessarily forcing but certainly encouraging <laughs> on most occasions in my experience and um and we want to do anything to fit in because yep. you gotta you gotta fit in in that dressing room and or, yeah and then all of a sudden, you know, things can fall apart really quickly.
0: Well, and especially when that's your first year in the dub. I mean, when you're a rookie, like it's, you want to fit in with the 19, 20 year old. Do you want to basically like your puppets, man? Like if they tell you to drink, you're going to drink. It's, it's out. That's exactly how it works. You want to, you want to fit in with the boys and what are you, whatever you got to do, you got to do. That's what, how I felt like anyways.
2: Yeah. I saw, like I, I mentioned this on my last podcast, I think, or maybe two podcasts ago. I got a picture uh, a couple weeks ago of a guy. Uh, he's at his junior rookie party, and they got him dressed up like a baby in a diaper, and he's drinking beer out of a bottle. It's like the first time he's ever drank, and he sent me the picture telling me, you know, he's got a drink and this and that. And I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, like, I get it. Like, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of fun, and, you know, some people can be like, oh, that's just part of it, or that's just fun, but I... I look at it and I'm like, that's, it's a nightmare. Like wow. how is that bonding as a team dressing, dressing that somebody up like a baby and, and making them drink beer out of a bottle. And I remember having guys having like two sixes taped to their hands and they couldn't have them untaped until they're gone where guys were so sick that they probably could have died in hindsight.
0: Mm-hmm. And Exactly. And that's the thing, right? Then, when you do that it seems like when the vet tells you to do something it's kind of you got to do it i did the exact same thing man i was i had two colt 45 beers after being put in the microwave man and oh I, yeah and i had to chug them and then chase this water or whatever yeah it's just and then you don't even think about it right so when you when you're a rookie and you're basically getting hazed or whatever it may be you don't want to you don't want to say anything because you don't want to be called a wimp in front of your teammates right you want to you know, it's kind of like you want to, you want to fit in and you got to do whatever it takes to feel that.
2: Yeah. And and I think it's gotten a little better, but I, it, it's still there. And I, and you know, some people handle that better than others too. And there's so many different examples of how things like that can take place, but just because one guy thinks it's funny, it could totally be traumatic for another guy. Uh, and then if, you know, you're in a situation like you felt and like I felt where we can't tell anybody, um, you know it can be really hard so like how was your headspace through junior your junior career you played never for a bit and then you come back and you're captain of the kinders league you got <coughs> excuse me you're coming home to your hometown but you're also leaving the western hockey league and coming to play in the sj was that hard for you or were you happy to come home what tell us a little bit about that experience
0: well so Everett really didn't work out for me i mean obviously what i was going through or whatever and Um, I think I was I was ready to come home I 20 hours away from home as 18 year old kid I I was homesick you know coming from a a top end kid in such a small town and playing in the WHL and you having to earn your spot which is 100% which you should but you know I you didn't get treated like a vet and you know I was being the fifth line I didn't know if I was in the lineup and it just kept eating me up eating me up inside and then I ended up coming home and I thought it was just a good relief kind of thing and i was having such a good year that year and all of a sudden my injury happened and that's kind of when it went straight downhill it's kind of when everything kind of went to a swirl and after since my that knee injury happened to me i think that's kind of where it started getting really bad
2: to, like so in looking back on it what what was it about it that, that made it bad? Was it the downtime away from the ice and now you're home and it, you can kind of see the writing on the wall that your junior career is winding down? What, what was it? Do you know? well, I mean,
0: it, honestly, man, I had told my story on my TikTok. I'll be happy to say it again. Yeah. Like, I was, uh, when I got hurt, I was playing, playing in a hockey game it was a third period and I beat the defenseman to the corner and he kind of, I was kind of protecting the puck and he cross-checked my shoulder and I just seen my leg or my knee snap sideways. I knew something was going on. I remember, I'll never forget this. I went to the dressing room and I never lay down on the ice. My dad and my mom always told me never lay on down on the ice until you're really hurt. I was really hurt. My dad was concerned. He never did that. He came to the locker room and I remember the ambulance come in and said, DJ, this could be a career possible injury. That was the very first thing I heard coming from the the doctor's mouth and I lost my mind. I remember I chucked my helmet across the room and my dad took me to, to the hospital. And I remember the doctor saying it was just a bruise, a really deep bruise. My knee was swelled up like this. And I was like, right on. So my coach sent me to Edmonton for two weeks with their physiotherapist down there. And I got it really strong, worked out two, three times a day. And I came home and I'll never forget. I went to a girls hockey practice. And uh, I was skating normal. I was skating fine. I was going straight normal. And I remember I went right and boom, my knee buckled right down to the ice. I just remember, I knew it was a feeling inside of me. I knew it was all done. Um, I remember coming off the ice and boys were asking me how I was doing. And I told them what happened. And it just seemed like they're like, okay, Deej, like, You know, you'll be back in a week or whatever. But they didn't realize that until I got sent for an MRI and ruptured ACL, tore my MCL and my meniscus at the same time. And right then, I, you're right, Braids. Like, I felt I was out of place. I couldn't even go to the hockey rink. It was that mental thing where I didn't have anyone to talk to. And I couldn't go to the rink because I thought I was out of place. You know, and that was during the midst of the season where it starts getting important. And, you know, I started drinking beers before hockey games to go watch because I was – I don't know if it was voice inside my head, but it was just, I was scared what, what the fans were going to think about me. Why is Deej out? Is he like, you know, when you get an injury, you, you don't want to miss out in the lineup. Like that's the bi- that's the biggest part. And when you do, I went in a very bad place and I, that's when I started drinking before hockey games and be able, being able to even watch my hockey team. So it was really tough on me, man. And I had to miss that the rest of that year. And between, to tell you the truth, I didn't really do high expectations with my rehab. I, uh, you know, I I didn't 100%. I still to this day, man, I got severe arthritis at 30 years old, and I'm battling every day. Like, and, and it sucks. But I know I did that to myself because I could have been better. But at that time, when that knee happened, Megan coming back from the WHL, another thing thinking about: Well, I can't even get a scholarship. Why am I in the SJHL? Little stuff. Am I, am I am I coming back to the SGL wreck my career? Where am I going to go after this? just a whole bunch of things were going through my mind and it came to a point where I couldn't take it anymore. So
2: that's tough. And you know, that's, uh, some I certainly relate to that because there was a time when I left Swift current for very similar reasons and went and played in Burnaby now the Coquitlam express, but same thing. And, and uh, you know, I'd, I'd struggled with some drinking and drugs, but then I, tr- I, I actually got better. They drug test me and, um, then I came back and I got an Achilles tendon injury. And uh, they said I was going to be done for the year. And I was living at home and it wasn't far from my house. It was like 20 minutes. But once I was done, like, and they're like, you're not going to play the rest of the year. I was like, I'm not coming to the rink every day. I'm I, I, like, am I in the way? Like, I'm just going to be bothering the team. I'm going to be walking around on my my crutches, whatever. And like, I'm not driving every day. 25 minutes just come. And it was kind of in hindsight, it really a horrible mentality i wasn't being a good teammate i should have been but i was just so depressed and and like you said in my own head and then they went on to win the rbc championship as i sat at home and and continued to drink and do drugs and um it's a lonely 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 spot to be in and Mm -hmm. uh as you mentioned earlier too we're, we're not the only two it's uh i know of so many uh hockey players right now who are struggling like immensely and uh and, and most of them suffering in silence for many of the same reasons that you and I did for so long in, in fear of judgment and and guilt and shame and disappointment and all those things um but I'm sure glad I'm sure glad I talked about it. you hear that little whistle that was that was air yeah. going through, that was air going through my fake teeth <laughs> it, it, it happens from time to time I, I know people you gotta we gotta laugh sometimes but um I, I want to know dj about you you said you you experimented with drugs in college so you you finished or you can talk a little bit about your last year in kindersley as you went back and you were the captain right in your final year
0: yeah um so yeah 20 year old year got to be the captain i mean that was a huge honor i was growing up i was the stick boy for the clippers my me my parents we billeted the clippers for 10 years Cool. Um so that was kind of my dream being a kid was to play on the Clippers and for me being getting the opportunity to be a captain holy smokes right this is this is awesome and I was the, in the best shape in my life and we didn't have a very good year that year um we we didn't win very many games and that was when I was really drinking and uh doing doing some drugs and that's when the pressure came cuz I Thought everyone was against me. I thought that every why were Kinnersley's losing because of the hometown captain DJ McGrath, right? It was it really ate me up. So I, after that year, I got us, I got to go to Red Deer College. Um, that was really when it kind of went downhill. That's obviously when you get sent away, basically living on your own, right? And going to school and playing hockey. Well, Deed, all I did was I partied and played hockey, right? I didn't take any all seriousness in school. I had five free year five free years of schooling because of WHL and I pissed that all away. You know, it, it was tough. And you know, you kinda get off a you kind of get a little loose leash, right? When you're going to college, you're not you don't get the coaches calling you for curfew call or you kinda you kinda being an adult, you gotta be professional and doing that. And I didn't. And that's when I first started getting to cocaine was in college my first year. And that's and it took my life over. And it, it was nuts, man. I played there for two years. And I didn't take anything out of it. Obviously, I had some good times. But in school, pissed that away. And, you know, hockey, it was uh, I wasn't myself. I wasn't the player I was. And that's still, that still added even more. I wasn't the DJ who I could be. And it was just tough, man. And it all went downhill from there. And I was in a really, really dark place down in college.
2: I asked you earlier, uh, remember I said, uh, would 16 year old DJ uh, ever think that he would do drugs like cocaine and, and, that? and now we're, we're here and you're talking about how it's starting to take your life over. Do you remember the first time that you ever did it and how that came about at all?
0: Yeah, I do. I was, uh, it was my first year in college, um, up in my apartments, Now it was the summer. So I stayed in Red Deer during the summer, too, all year round, and I worked for the city there. And obviously, living in the summertime, meeting new friends, and I remember adding, my parents got me an apartment or whatever to rent. And yeah. I remember the first time doing it, the guy brought it over, and I did it, and it was just like, wow, like, uh, <laughs> it, you know.
2: Sorry? I stop you there. The only reason I ask you this is because I I, it, I think it's really important to go back and I hope it's not too triggering for anyone or for you. But mm-hmm. do, do you remember like leading up to that? Had you seen people do it? Had you been in situations where it had been around? Did you have a firm boundary that was I'm never going to do this or, or like what changed that night? Um, was it just because the opportunity arose and you were like, hey, um,
0: yeah. I honestly, Brady, I didn't, ha- I cocaine wasn't really around me, honestly, in junior. And like, I knew it was out there, but it, we didn't, it wasn't around our hockey team.
1: Yeah.
0: I, you know, I was that point, my, in my point in red year, in my college, I was, like I said, my darkest days and I didn't care really anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I like, you know, it was a feeling where why not? I got nothing to lose. I've yeah. been doing what I've been doing ever this point. What's cocaine? Like that's, That's just another thing to add to my list. I'll still be at practice the next day. Like, it's, it's, it was nuts. Like, yeah, it's crazy.
2: And it started, it started to take over your life pretty quickly. And, and obviously you kept, uh, did you keep doing it during the season? And, and did it carry, did it carry on once you left Red Deer College? And now all of a sudden you're, you know, you're headed back home. And, and what does that look like?
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, continued on with it, man. I did it the whole year. Um, obviously hit it in, no one knew about it. And then after I got, I came home for good, talk about my videos, uh, 22 year old kid pissing school away and coming home to my hometown. Then what? I remember sitting at home, it's is a big oil and gas and farming community. And I'm just a hockey kid that I didn't know what to do. And I remember sitting there, depression, anxiety. I always thought, why is DJ back in Kindersley? Like, it's just all these voices going through my head. And, you know, it was, it was one of those things and I just kept, kept doing it. And it was just kind of, honestly, it's kind of, it was normal in my life. You know, I was, it was to the point where I was doing it all the time and it, anxiety, it just depression. It's crazy what, what it does to you. Like, it's especially like right back when you said, like, I remember in elementary school, there'd be guest speakers coming in talking to you telling you telling about their stories and telling you how bad it is and I remember sitting there being a hockey kid saying I'll never touch this stuff. And like yeah. you said, here I am 10 15 years later talking about it. It's crazy we, how it works.
2: We never plan on on becoming addicts or living a life uh, where honestly I think I, I don't know how you felt through all that about yourself but I I loathed myself. I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. I had no idea who I was. And uh, on most days it was, I just, somebody take me out of my misery because I can't take it anymore. Not just myself, but the disappointment that I, I've caused in, in the lives of my my family and, and others and the letdowns and it it feels so heavy and so hopeless. Um, and you lived that way for for quite a few years, mm-hmm. covering it up um, did anybody ever approach you and be like, Hey, Deej, like, is something up or, um, did anything like that come up?
0: You know what, man? I think now that I look back, there wasn't anyone that came up to me and said, "Deej, are you doing cocaine? There was never anyone that did it, but it, I, I started losing my good buddies and I didn't know what, I always thought it was their fault. Like why, like whatever, screw you guys kind of thing. I lost my best buddies that I grew up playing hockey with. Um, my fault. Yes. Now I'm slowly starting to get back with these guys, but it, it was me like, exactly. Like you said, I was so low in myself, man. And I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror either. I went to work every day, did my job and came home and I shut my curtains every night, I didn't do a thing. I couldn't show my face at the rink. My buddies are playing senior hockey, which I should be playing. Not a chance. I was, yeah, it was tough, man. I hated myself.
2: What, 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 what was the turnaround? What was the turning point for you? And, and uh, I know you mentioned it earlier about going to your parents and, um, and, and kind of just saying, Hey, this is, this is what's going on or, or what, what was the, what was the turning point and, and how hard was or how easy was it for you uh, to, to take that step and how long were you thinking about it?
0: Yeah, man, I mean, it, looking by it's tough. Um, you know, it, I started my oldest brother has two kids, for an example. My brother always wanted me to go hang out with the nephews. Uncle Deej, no, never. I never I never showed my face around. Um, it started eating me up inside, man. My parents, my parents are my rock. I tell you guys this all the time. But if it wasn't for those two people, I wouldn't know where I'd be today. I mean, and even my bank account, little things, my bank account, not being there and asking my mom for money at age 26 years old. Why are you blowing all this? And I make up lies. Well, I'm getting drugs. Like it's, it it was nuts, man. When the day I, so it was at nighttime the day I went over to my parents and I broke out to them. I, I didn't know what they were going to say to be completely honest. Um, Like them doing absolutely everything for me growing up, uh, you know, giving me every single opportunity. My dad's my role model. Like it was awesome. I was so scared. I was depressed of letting those two down. It was a feeling that uh, I'm a bad son. I have all these voices going through my head, man. And it, it was the worst time of my life. And you know, that night when I told my parents and what they said to me and how supportive they were. And I remember my mom say, it's going to be a battle every day, DJ, but You're going to be, I'm going to be by your side and I'm never going to forget those words. And to this day, I battle every day, but I'm giving back. Uh, I, I go to my parents. I tell my parents, I love them every day because what they did for me, man, I don't know where I'd be. Like, it's such a touchy subject for me, but I'm, that's why I'm opening up because I know there's people out there that are going through you and me braids, man, and, and it needs to change and it's okay to speak up. I've never been the happiest person since I was a kid is today. I told my mom this morning before coming to this podcast, I am the happiest your son has been since peewee hockey, man.
1: Yeah, that's...
0: And it, it, it crushes me. Like I crushed my parents and it, it crushed me. And when I opened up and i was they the art to this day, like words can't describe, man. It's, it, it was a lot.
2: It's uh it's a pretty incredible feeling when, um, when you take that step, and there's people around to uh, to to hold your hand and help, you know, lift you up, when we feel so down. Um, was it hard for you though, when you when you first, like, do you remember going? Was there a game plan? Like, hey, like I'm I can't do this anymore. I'm gonna go talk to my parents because I think there might be people that have uh, in situations. I know there's certain people that watch this show and. Uh, Or certainly listen to the show um, that have spouses that maybe they don't know uh, they're keeping something from them addictions or um, sometimes uh, the spouse knows and uh, doesn't know how to confront or uh, those things. But it's now and now I'm forgetting what I'm I'm going to say here, DJ, because two comments just came in and I'm seeing Elaine is watching the show. What was I? What was I asking you there? I was really going to ask you something good there. Kind of
0: somehow it was some about my what I how I led up and like how yes
2: yes okay that. okay so how how do you uh how did you feel when you finally went to your parents uh, you got the support but what was it like
0: oh honestly before I probably I went for a good 25 minute cruise in my truck before I went to see my parents man I I went over different scenarios in my head. My dad and mom were so humble and I didn't, I didn't know how to. Like I didn't know what I didn't I was scared they were going to cry cuz I don't ever want to see my parents cry because of me. Cuz it's me, man. It was me. I put them through hell. And and that's why they're still there for me, but I, I remember I just said, "Deech, this is a life-changing thing and if you don't do this today, there might not be another time." There this is cuz I the pressure was built up so much, man. I was felt like I was ready to explode. And there wasn't another night where I had, I had to tell them or else I'd be off the deep end again. So when I went over there and sat down on how good they were and I told them absolutely everything. I left everything on the table because I knew they deserved it for one. And B, it, it was good for me. I, I didn't want to leave anything and hide anymore because I've been hiding everything my whole life. And I didn't want to hide anything anymore. And when I let everything off my chest, man, people listen. Like, people listening right now, you guys got to realize it was like I was reborn again. And I didn't realize. I didn't think I was going to have support. How many people are supporting me right now? It is unbelievable. And I battle every day to this day. But I I know I came this far. And that's why I'm doing this. I'm holding myself accountable. And I want to give back. I want to tell kids I want to tell players even parents that everything is going to be okay because Brady you've been through it I've been through it and there's a lot of people have been through it and they haven't reached out yet and we're here to tell them it's okay so yeah it was a tough time for my life man
2: oh well, yeah I, I just I think it's really important to show that the give people a little bit of insight because I think that's so natural to it's really hard that's a really hard conversation to have right and to build up the courage and the strength to to go do it and to really take our life back and you did that by leaving it all on the table right like that's that's how you start to get your life back by being completely honest and, and vulnerable and accountable and, and stop playing victim stop making excuses um that was what i did for for so long and seems to be the common theme and when 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 people are can just kind of cut the shit and and take accountability um, and that, you know, the honesty, you know, how important that is. And I loved how you said uh, that that uh, they deserved it, right? Like they they did, right? Like those are your parents. And that's, a, that's an important piece. And what a weight off your shoulders that is just to have them to know because you're always wondering, are they going to find out this? Are they going to find out that? And at least they're hearing it from you. And whether it be your parents or your loved ones, that's another important message that you talked about there.
0: Well, exactly. And that's it, right. You just said it bang on, man. I didn't want my parents having to find out from someone else or getting a phone call from the police station. Right. I didn't want her, or the hospital. I didn't want any of that to happen and they don't deserve that. And I'm going to say it again and again, like they saved my life and they they did absolutely everything for me to get to that next level. It wasn't them. It was all me. I, I put it through myself. They did everything. They are my rock. They are my supporter but it it was all dj it was all my pressures and keeping everything inside just kept building 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 until i took, couldn't take it anymore
2: we got a couple uh we've had some comments coming in and i'm sure we're we're both open to questions here and if you have any questions for dj fire away um we'll just i'm just going to get to the top here i know brody was watching earlier He so said he's going to watch later uh coach dad and sons is watching uh, Hunter's here watching as well. They say, what's up, Hunter? Uh, Dean Smeal watching in St. Paul, Alberta says, didn't hook me up yet. I need 30 of them. I think he's talking about sticks when I was talking about the, tr- the true sticks. Um, Janice Newton watching, uh, recently connected with Janice DJ. Actually, I want to talk to you about some with her. Uh, I have my husband joining tonight too, hitting home 100 uh maybe an opportunity to speak to uh to their son's team coming up which is uh which is really cool so and hopefully you can be involved in that um natasha heron i think this uh, question was answered but i'm going to put it up there and if you want to touch on it again dj please do she uh she asked earlier says was dj scared because of the stigma judgment what was it and i think you you touched on that but um that's uh it's so there is still so much stigma and and judgment or at least fear of it right? Oh, 100%. No. people?
0: Oh, yeah. So much. It wasn't necessarily a stigma. It was me telling myself that people were judging me. I was scared. Of course I was scared. I was scared of what people were going to think of me. You know, people thought I was some athlete and that didn't have any problems in my life. Well, they were wrong. It was the complete opposite. Biggest thing was getting judged big time. Deej found out I was I was a druggie drinking a lot of beers. I 100. I thought they were gonna judge me. Um, during that time, it it sucked. And you know, Brady, you're right. There is it's out there, and it's people get judged every day. Hockey's a sport where you're getting judged out there, and you know you're on a you're on a spotlight all the time. Especially when you get to the pros and the WHL and junior level, like you're on the spotlight every time. And especially in today's hockey, especially with social media and everything, it's it's down to that. It's up to that next level. Right. So yeah, I was definitely, I was scared and scared of being judged.
2: I love, I love how you said to you, a lot of it's in your own head. Cause I can relate to that too. Now, like oh. in hindsight, like in hindsight, right? Like oh. now that we're talking, now that we're talking about this stuff, it's, and you see the the tremendous amount of support <laughs> that comes out, oh, you realize you're like, holy, oh, what the hell was I waiting for so long, oh, you know? Oh,
0: man, it's not even starting this TikTok and just the comments I've been getting. And thank you, DJ, for sharing the story. It's yeah. helping me. Like, I never, I thought if I ever told my story, I just get like, you know, I didn't know what to think. It was, it's crazy. And then you think about right now, why did we hold everything in our heads this long this time?
2: Yeah. Chad Dorset watching says, "DJ, proud of you, brother."
0: That's uh, Derek Dorset's older brother, right there.
2: Right on, um, awesome. I actually, uh, I spoke to, uh, I spoke to uh, Derek the other day via text. Actually, um, he's doing player development down there in Columbus. Pretty cool yes. gig. Awesome. Um, here, we, let's see this one. Did you ever treat your parents badly or stop, stop talking to them during this process?
0: Yeah, I did. I mean, my mom, she's my best friend. She she tells me how it is, and I remember her asking me how my day was. Simple as that. Did you get your homework done? I, I just my mental state, mom. I'll get it done. Of course. Like I was rude to my parents all the time, and now I look back, all there was is helping me. And like uh, I always go back. It's in my head. Like I I wasn't in the state of mind. And it's crazy the mind games you play with yourself during that time, too. And, but yeah, I, I did treat my parents badly, and, and I'm the first guy to admit that for sure.
2: Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And again, it comes back to being accountable and honest, right? And that's yeah. taking ownership in your life. And, um, you know, and, and Janice, I'll, I'll hop in there, too. I was absolutely horrific to everybody in my addiction i did every low life thing and there was times where my parents had to just cut me off completely because it was that bad and uh, i think it was one of the hardest things they ever had to do and it could have went in this situation where i ended up dying or um you know i was going to figure it out and that's kind of where it got to but um i know there's uh there's other parents watching this as well i'm sure as i skimmed down the uh the comments elaine Stirk watching hey all hey hunter Uh, Lane, we're going to chat about you later on. Stuart Smith out there in Abbotsford, chairman of the board of the Puck Support Nonprofit, also known as the Puck Support Network, says, DJ, thanks for sharing your story so openly. Conversations like this will help yourself and so many others. Agreed, Stuart. Agreed. Yeah,
0: agreed. Thank Uh,
2: you. Lane says, DJ, that takes so much strength to do what you do. I will echo that. We also have Dana McGrath watching.
0: That's my brother, man. I love that guy.
2: Love you, brother. He says. Oh, I yeah, love He's that. watching. What's up, Dana? That's oh, awesome,
0: man. He's 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 a role model. My two older brothers, man, it's quick. He, my my two older brothers played hockey and they guided me, man. Um, I never was picked on as a kid because I had my two older brothers playing in hockey, and I'll never forget when I when I didn't work out and stuff. My oldest brother Tyler. He used to, he used to train me, he used to uh, out in the field, he used to tie, tie me up to a truck and he would put in a neutral and I would have to pull his truck. I'll never forget, man. He would just, oh, it's just looking back and what they did for me too. So I love you too, man. You guys mean the world to me.
2: That's awesome. That's yeah. so awesome. Thanks. Thanks for watching, Dana. Yeah. Uh, Marty Westerland, what's up, Marty? Thanks for stopping by. As always, uh, thank you for this tonight. I needed this a lot. You're welcome. And and DJ, thank you because I yeah. think he's talking to you.
0: You're welcome, Marty. Uh,
2: Michelle Miner watching, who is like a, a another mother figure to me, and um, her her son. Uh, I'm not sure you're familiar with the story, but her son uh, Daniel played for the Barry Colts. He passed away of an overdose in 2021, and um, she's watching. I'm sure Tom is there and I'm not sure if Lindsay and Zach and the kids are probably in bed, but uh, they become a uh, family to me in the last uh, year and a bit. Uh, and she says, been there, done everything good for you for coming clean with your parents. That's a, uh, it's, it's really hard uh, for, for parents uh, to, to go through and have to watch um, somebody they love so much uh, go through um, something so horrible. Um, and, you know, that's there's a lot of uh parents that, that watch and listen to this show and the messages that come in and um uh, you know it always is the question of you know how, like what what was the the turning point, what what was it that was that made it able for you to to pull yourself out of it? And I wish I had one distinct answer, but do you have any sort of insight on that, Deej? Like is there is there one thing that you can think of that has helped you more than anything? um start to piece your life back together
0: uh obviously my mom and dad huge um and simple as getting back into the game of hockey i'm helping coaching the bantam double a's that was huge for me getting back with the kids and giving back that uh, i'm like a little kid going to the rink again and uh getting to be back apart with the junior clippers again and going to watch their games and playing some senior hockey myself so it's those two it's my family and the sports that are kind of helping me help me in the right direction for sure
2: you notice uh, a difference now that you got your skates back on after a couple of
0: years (laughs) man i remember i hated going to practice it was the worst and i i'm there an hour before at senior hockey practice taping both my sticks like it is the best thing ever and reminiscing with the guys again man like it's unbelievable
2: yeah, it's uh, oh. that you, you you don't really realize. And that's something I tell, too, that the young kids, like, the time in the dressing room, the time on the ice, I was always oh. the first one, usually the last one on and the first one off, if I could help. Oh, it. Yeah. But listen, not because I didn't want to be on the ice or because I was lazy, it was literally because I was so anxious. And so I just wanted to get the hell out of the rink because I was so on edge that I just wanted to go be by myself and hide in, in like and curl up in a ball. Uh, So it wasn't that I like hated it or anything like that, but I agreed. I I did not really care for practice, not even really as a kid. I just wanted to play the games. Right. But now any, any chance, even beer league, I'm like, yeah, let's go. I'm like sitting there (laughs) after BSing with the guys and um, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, Janice Newton watching too. She says, he makes me feel like I'm not a crazy mom. that's awesome janice uh you're not at all you keep
0: being hard on yourself you keep your kid lying there janice please
2: (laughs) Yep, that's right uh dean smiel says dj i'm proud of you thank
0: you dean i appreciate
2: that Uh, he says my niece haley smiel playing with the queens when you were with the kings in rdc
0: Yeah. Uh, Haley, she's a good friend and she actually messaged me the other night saying that she was proud of me and had no idea. And I still get texts like that. And they kind of say that they're sorry, but I say, no, don't be sorry. It was all me. And I always had, I had some good times in college too, but it's kind of cool talking to them and seeing Dean and, and Haley there too. So I much appreciate the support you guys.
2: Very cool. Very cool. Um, Elaine saying, we need to bring some parents on here to hear their feelings about being told. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's a great point and something hopefully we can hammer home on November, the, oh my God, my memory is so bad. November, the when is it? The 12th? 12th. Yeah. 12th. The 12th. That's right. Let's talk mental health in St. Mary's being hosted by none other than Elaine Stirk And All the details haven't been arranged, but we're really hoping that there's some way somehow you can come there in person and also speak and share your story. I think people need to hear it. I'm going to be speaking uh, and then there'll be also hopefully an opportunity if you do come out for that uh, to play in the charity game, which is on the November the 19th at 8 p.m. in Richmond Hill, Ontario. Uh, that is going to be team puck support versus team stop concussions carry Goulet, aka the gooch he's known on facebook and social media um friend of friend of ours and that'll be the first sort of event that we're doing for puck support they're really the ones hosting it but part of the proceeds are going to get kicked back to puck support and we have a, a lot of former uh, pro and junior guys playing curtis gabriel is going to be playing and uh a few other a few other guys even uh, jeremy rupke from how to hockey i'm not sure you know who that is but jeremy rupke check him out on youtube and social media he's uh he's a friend of mine he's uh, pretty big on social media he's going to come play so it's going to be a great event that we hope that uh that you can play
0: yeah uh, i mean if all works out i'm more excited to get out there and especially meet yourself and and do some talk and so no i'm really excited
2: Absolutely. I'm super pumped. We got to make we got to make it happen. Aaron uh Aaron for Sorry if I pronounced that wrong. Bolkenfor. Uh good job, DJ. I'm proud of you, man. So, yeah, this
0: guy here funny story. So Aaron Bolkenfor um he was the guy that actually told me to tell my story. Okay. He, I was I was kind of hesitant what to do and he gave me a phone call and he said, "Deej, if this is your passion, do it." So, Aaron, I want to thank you for doing that for me, man. Or I'll say <laughs> to you. So thank you. Uh, much respect for Aaron for
2: That's uh, that's awesome. My finger slipped and hit it. I was waiting for you to finish, and then it 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 hit it. So I didn't mean to cut you off. But Aaron, that's awesome, right? And that and that's the thing, right? It's incredible uh, how just as a, a one positive suggestion of encouragement. Uh, Can lead to to so much good, not just for you, but for for so many others. Because um, what you're doing over there on TikTok and now Instagram is uh, is incredible. Uh, I'm going to throw up the banners, uh, banner along the bottom there, so you can uh, get his information uh, on TikTok and Instagram if you're listening. Uh, there'll be a link in the bio if you're on Spotify, definitely it'll work. I'm not sure how it works on Apple podcast. You might have to copy and paste it, but all the info will be there uh, at DJ McGrath hockey. Uh, Make sure you check him out. Uh, The future of hockey DJ, right? We have our experience in hockey and, and sort of what that was like and the things that we held in and felt we couldn't talk about. And, I see some of your videos now and, and how you're speaking out against hockey and i i love it man because the stuff that i'm seeing like i was away from hockey for almost 10 years and now i'm back in it and when i'm at the rink and the stuff that i'm seeing and the stories i'm hearing like i always knew there was politics and hockey was kind of like that but man is it brutal man, man is it. Brutal.
0: whatever happened to minor hockey like in just minor hockey hey eh? like these elite leagues in this private school and all this stuff, like it blows my mind, man. It's, it's definitely not the same. Like whatever happened to the best kids playing in their, playing in their local hometowns, like it's not there. It's, it's, it's definitely changed from when we played for sure. Hey.
2: Money, money, oh. money, money, money. The integrity is, lacking severely in hockey these days from what i see and i'm not gonna call out any leagues or teams or anything like that but i know that there are let's just call them super leagues, super teams where there's actually billionaires that own the team and put their kids on the team and not only that they're paying minor they're paying coaches six figures to coach a team and then giving them a, a ton of capital to go actually pay like 13 like 12 13 14 year olds like 30 40 50 000 a year to come play for their teams like it's it's absolutely insane like i I know well i i
0: I did a i did a video braids on there hey and uh yeah i kind of got a little bit of heat but it's true the I'm a believer, like when your kid's an average kid, and I'm finding today's world if your dad has tons of money, well, he's might, he's gonna, might create his own team to make that kid on that team. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's crazy. And then I feel bad for the parents that don't necessarily have that money and your kid's a rock star, like I've been saying. And he might not necessarily get looked at because these elite leagues, right? It's, I don't know what's going on.
2: I know. It's, um, it begs the question for me where do I really want my kids in that environment? And do I want to be subjected to that environment? It's such a catch 22 because I love it so much and it's given me so much, but there are these sides of it and the, the way that things are trending. It's man. Like these kids look freaking tired. DJ oh. tired, man. They don't do anything but hockey. They got to do something else.
0: Oh, that's another play thing, play too, baseball
2: right? Or something. Oh,
0: exactly. I, my parents all around us, we played every sport when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And you're right, people are playing 365 a day. Imagine your kid sometimes doing that. Three
2: days. Sometimes oh. three a days, 365 days a year. These 11-year-olds are going from, from stick handling practice to shooting practice to oh. dry land to spring hockey to this. And I just look at the parents and I'm like, are you out of your freaking minds? Like oh. your kid looks like they're falling apart. They're going to hate so hockey.
0: So let's say your kid is doing that and starting Adam. Let's say he starts getting to ban him a midget. Do you really think he's going to have that passion for hockey playing all that i highly doubt it that's why i encourage i'm trying to do my voice and getting kids to play every sport so they look forward to hockey season instead of looking forward for the couple weeks off they only get right so it's
2: i know i remember getting those couple weeks off and then be chomping at the bit man
0: yeah,
1: oh, like, yeah. Get
2: those skates back on yeah. but it's it, parents they think they, they got to do more they got to do more there's parents that i know that have had to sell their houses and remortgage their houses. In one case, there's parents that even had to sell their house and now they're renting it back off the person they sold it to just so they could have more money to go play in one of these super leagues. And the kid is 13 years old.
0: It's, and I'm scared, man. Like what's going to happen five, 10 years from now? Like it's, is there going to, like I promised, is there going to be hockey in that long, right? I don't know. Like, it's the way what's exactly. going on right now, people are losing tons of interest for hockey. Yeah. I know parents that don't even want to put their kids in hockey. Like, it's it's not the same. It's never, like, we got to get it going again. Like, it's, I, I God, know. it bugs me.
2: I know. It's, uh, you know, and I do some skill, skill development and, you know, I do, you, I do it as a business. But there's been times where kids have shown up and i take one look at them and i'm like yeah you're not coming on the ice today <laughs> you're not like keep your money uh, and i've had like one parent uh, for sure be like well i'll just find someone else to train train with then i'm like well go go ahead but he's not yeah. on the ice with me because their kids exhausted doesn't want to be here it's not good for the kid i don't want to be on the ice with a kid that doesn't want to be on the ice just cuz the parents i'm not contributing to that right it's just more 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 and i just feel like it's uh it's crazy uh jan is just saying uh, the travel money uh 20k a year plus travel then junior billet family costs in some of these junior leagues too right these these junior leagues now even uh some of these tier two junior leagues are charging several several thousand to uh to play and it's just sad man it's a sad state
0: well, especially when you when you got a set of parents who don't necessarily are capable with that money, and your kid is a rock star. Like it's, I keep stressing on that. Like it's, it's not hockey used to be. You know, we wake up, go to the hockey rink, we didn't have to worry about those things. It was our scapegoat from school, from everything, and now it seems like the complete opposite, and it seems. I don't know. I would necessarily want to say the parents are living in the kids' shoes. Does that yeah. make sense? hundred
2: um, percent, and not all of them, but definitely there yeah. are there are some. I, think, I don't think – I wouldn't say all or even the majority yeah. of parents fall into that, but, man, do I see,
1: mm-hmm. I
2: see it. I love to talk hockey, but I don't love it when I got to – deal with parents that come up to me and just want to gossip about what the coach is doing and this parent and that, this player, they're, they're bitching about some 12 year old getting more ice time than this and that. And I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I get it. But like, are they having fun? Because
0: that's the thing. That's all that funny story you said. So this is my very first Bantam double a coach coaching debut this year and we we went out for practice and I remember I was so excited and I'll never forget there was a set of parents videotaping in practice and I had to go talk to the head coach I'm like is this legit and I guess it is and I just couldn't imagine and that kid is such a good kid he is such a good kid he's nice he works hard I just couldn't imagine I'm obviously not going to talk to him about it but it's just like what are you doing to your kid? How's that making your kid feel that your parents are videotaping you? What are they, what are they saying after, behind the scenes when he gets home from hockey practice? Right. Kids love the game to get away from life. Maybe, maybe to get away from the family for a bit. Right. It's, but when you, when you've got, when you're getting videotaped and you got to go home after practice and deal with that, like it's, that's not good. Yeah.
2: I, I... it's, I don't know how much fun it it really is uh, for some of the kids out there. And it just, I I really think that it, it sets, it it can be dangerous for the future. Like it can be, it can be really dangerous. Um, When did I, I kind of get out of this? It's kind of just skipping into another topic here deeds, but at what point in time did you sort of acknowledge to yourself and accept the fact that maybe, Hey, I have some mental health issues, maybe even some mental illness going on.
0: Um, that was when I was done college, um, move moving back home and into the real world, and when I started started doing drugs, not just the weekends anymore. Yeah. <laughs> started started during the week, and when I I'm such an outgoing kid, I love talking to people, and when I come home from work and I'm shutting those blinds and not talking to a soul. That's kind of when I knew that something was going on and I then I didn't say anything for a little longer a little longer kept building building building. And that's when all hell broke loose and that's when I had to open up to my parents.
2: That that so that was the that was the first time but did you ever feel like like that you had some of these issues like when you were maybe younger or anything like that or mm-hmm. or how no, not at all, No,
0: man. I honestly like I didn't minor hockey growing up. I had everything like,
2: yeah,
0: I was the talented kid. I never, I don't know like, adversity,
1: right? No Very.
0: adversity. And I, I didn't have to work for anything because I always made the hockey team. Right. Like I, yeah. And I, and I wish that wasn't the case, but it, it was like, it, it was nuts, man. Like I just took everything for granted. And then when everyone started my budget level, when I got drafted, everyone was catching up to me. Right. And then all of a sudden they started surpassing me and that's another thing like it's crazy
2: it's uh yeah it, it's so it's so hard to deal with too it's oh. I, I love you you touch on so many great things in your videos it's not, they're so on point and like the first day i was watching them there on tiktok like I, I was in tears because it was just like listening to your stories you know walking back into that ring for the first time in three years like that's, uh, oh. that's not easy to do. Um, how did that go? Cause like it was that, you know, did you walk in and nobody was in there? Did you have it prearranged cause you know people, so nobody would be in there. Or did you just kind of stop in one day and say, Hey, you know what? Screw this. I'm going in here.
0: That's a good thing. That's uh, what exactly happened was, uh, took me a little bit, man. I told myself I was going to go to the rank and I kind of kept driving by the rink to see if people are in there. And I kind of set up, when people weren't going to be at that hockey rink. And then a couple of days later, I snuck in. It was about 10, 10 in the morning and I'll never forget walking through those doors and the smell of the hockey rink brought back memories. I started bawling. Mm-hmm. I went around under the staircase and I started bawling. I couldn't help it. I don't know if it's this everything just coming out of me and that it's simple. I know it's weird to say, but it's that smell of the hockey rink brought back flashes of everything, all my good times, all my bad times. And when I cried there, man, it it was like almost a good cry as sense of a relief. And I'm DG. This is where you, this is where you should be is at the hockey rinks. And now when I forced myself to go do it and I remember I was like, so it was like almost like the strongest door to open because it almost seemed like my inside, my brain didn't want me to open up that door. But my heart did i it's weird to say, and I remember opening up that door and it just just like a whole new world, and then I broke down, man, and I sat in that rink for two hours
2: that that moment you opening the door i can I can relate to that too man oh, where man. where it's your head and your heart, right, and oh. you made the right call because your head is you know so often if we listen to our heads and and we listen to our own thinking and that stinking thinking as they call it. it it wants to keep us in that, that misery. And there's, there's certain times that I've noticed in my life, right. Where you have a decision to make, right. And, and, and sometimes they feel or they seem like they're not that big of a decision, right. Where you could have easily just not opened that door, right. Who knows if you would have went back again or when that would have been, it would, you could have just left that door closed and, and and you could have just stayed and who knows what what state you'd be in right now because as you talked about that release that that feeling those smells like for hockey players like for guys like us like that's real like that's it like it is so it's everything and all those feelings coming back like that that's healing that is that is you figuring out and and listening to yourself of like where you want to spend your time and your energy in your life and what makes you feel good and so when we can listen to our heart in those situations and we can just open the door like you did, that's when I, I feel the gifts that just, I, I say they, they fall from the sky when you can start listening to your heart and you're being honest and accountable and doing all the right things. And, and you just open up the doors and you just say, you know what, here I am, let's go. And, and look, man, look what's happening. So it's phenomenal.
0: Exactly, man. It says the biggest thing was accept what I did and, you're right, man. Right when opening up that door just seemed like it was, this is where I'm supposed to be. And that's when I burst into tears, man. And like, it's, it's crazy guys. Like well, hockey is such, it's not just a game. It's, it makes you into the person who you are today. It makes friendships. I'm emceeing a wedding for a guy I played junior hockey with tomorrow night. Like it's little things like that, man. Like it's, and to tell you the truth, if you had asked me two years ago, not a chance.
2: I love it yeah.
0: like it's it's crazy man and stuff is landing like you're right you start opening up your heart you start making videos and you know people are getting to know the real you and you're real and I'm I feel like I'm being real I'm not hiding anything because um, there's no point what's the point of hiding something me making stuff up where I've been through it and I'm just like you braids were raw and that's why that's well, why people need to start hearing us for that reason right
2: Yeah. And the biggest thing for me, man, is putting my head down at at the end of the night. And don't get me wrong, dude, I struggle on my best days and I'm still getting my own head. And there's areas in my life that are really causing me some problems lately um, that, you know, it's it's really been a struggle for me um, for the last couple of months uh, in particular, just dealing with some family stuff, my kids and that kind of stuff. But When I put my head down at night, just knowing that I'm living my authentic self, I'm not have to worry about somebody finding something out tomorrow or whatever, or, you know, I I don't know, like people finding out what the real me or what I'm doing, like I'm not, I don't do anything for those things to happen anymore. And that's the biggest thing I think for me personally, I think that's probably something you can relate to a little bit.
0: Right when you said about that, it's 100%. It's always hiding things is dangerous, man. Like hiding the real, hiding what you're doing. Oh, it just eats you alive. And when you said that, it, I could relate to that 110%, man. Just gives me the chills even thinking about it. Like right now, like right when you just said that, it's like, wow, like that's 100% to a T. Like it's it's crazy. Now looking back, it's how much stuff we held in how we took it like it's it's
2: crazy thinking that's thinking that's like what we had to do and uh, I've you know I went I think we all go through things differently but I've I've talked to quite a few guys just the ones that I played with guys that I sat across the room from in the dressing room in the WHL in pro and, and told them because I like I was in a constant state of like fight or flight, like fear. Like I never really ran, but I was always like looking back before games, even at practice, it was this high stress, high energy. It wasn't really like enjoyment. It was I'm here to go to war. Mm-hmm. And I was so filled with anxiety and press and stress or sorry, stresses and pressure and all of that. And thinking I was the only one, and now after all these years, I talk to these guys. They're like, "Man, I was feeling the same thing sitting across from you, but we never said anything about it ever."
0: Exactly, right there, right? <laughs> same thing with me, man. I've been getting messages from ex-teammates of my TikToks, and they're thanking me, and they're they've got the chills because they were going through the exact same thing.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> hello. You know,
0: like, Oh, isn't it? it's crazy and the people you don't never would have ever thought about yes having problems oh man
2: yeah yeah i know i know and that's uh and that's again but you think about i think about listening to you and your experience through um minor hockey and and likely school in kindersley because you were the hockey player probably had a pretty easy and all that and and same thing for me um but that changes, right? Like that, that it, and then when we have to deal with that, uncomf- that It's so uncomfortable. You talk about not really knowing who you are and not having that. Um, that I don't know. It's, it's such a false sense of like ego and and who we are. But I'll tell you, the people in your high school probably never thought you know you were going to go down that path of all people right because you were this athlete this hockey player
0: oh i was always the kid coming home playing that year and coming home and finishing the second half at school and that's when i started talking about 10 minute breaks going out for cigarette breaks with my buddies drinking in cars and stuff and yeah i'll never forget i had two school teachers that would pull me aside at lunch break and not like get mad at me, but be like, dude, you don't realize what's going on for you. You're, you're a hockey guy and you're sitting out there smoking cigarettes. And I, I was like, beat it. Like I never, ever listened to my teachers. Cause they're like, I don't, you don't know who I am. I'm going to, I'm going to go to hockey places. Why are you saying that? But now I look back, people are out looking out for me, but I didn't realize it. Right. It's, It's crazy and you're right no one ever thought everyone thought i was this hockey player that had everything and i was the happiest guy because i was a top-end guy in hockey i was a popular kid you know how it is being a jock you're a you're a popular kid in school and no no one ever thought i would do this no one ever thought i'd go down the deep end but i did that it
2: it can happen to absolutely Mm -hmm. anybody and um you know is there is there something that like you really do to to help you on the straight and narrow and and has the last five months been for you um uh you know the first i think there's there's uh, there's ebbs and flow just like in anything and that can be kind of the case in recovery but but how has it been for you and and um and is there something that you do that that really helps you more than anything to stay on the straight and narrow
0: yeah, braids. It's been tough, man. This past five months. Obviously the the first couple months was pure loneliness. I thought, um, you know, I didn't have, like, I, I was, I was scared about being left out. If I, if I didn't go out one night, I was scared of missing out on something, you know, I not, not necessarily the buddies I was hanging out with. I'm not really texting anymore. That was tough. Um, being by myself and me not knowing i I can't go to the bars and then people wondering why i'm not going there um you know the best thing for me is getting back into hockey coaching and playing man that that's what's keeping me up i don't want to say alive but keeping me sober is is going back to sports and doing these videos is the biggest thing too right so no it's good i'm taking it day by day it's a struggle like you said man i It goes like this. She's a roller coaster. But I just know at the end of the day, like you said, when I go to bed at night, I got nothing to worry about. I got nothing. I don't have to hide anything. I'm not going to have trouble sleeping. That was another big thing, man. Sleeping normal. (laughs) Eight to nine to ten hours a night. Holy smokes. Waking up with no hangover. Oh. Yeah. it's, It's a game changer.
2: I know. I can't even think about being hung over, like oh. it's so not worth it. Like none of it is worth it. Like, oh my God, it just, it's enough. It's at this point in my time in my life. But at the, at, there was a time when even knowing anything and whether it be hung like a hangover in my case you know using opiates and knowing that you know if i do this for a couple days i'm gonna be physically dependent on them and then have to go through the whole withdrawal cycle again and all of that there was a time when it was like it doesn't matter what happens to me i need this now because i'm feeling so awful that i like i need this i don't care what happens to me i'm doing this and that's it and nothing's stopping me and and Mm -hmm. that is a place that i know there's people watching i certainly felt it that Feel like maybe you're never gonna get out of. Did it ever feel like that for you?
0: Hundred and ten percent, man. Hundred and ten percent. I did not think I was gonna get out. I thought I was gonna go through this for the rest of my life. I always thought I was gonna quit one day, but then it kept year after year after year saying I was gonna quit, and I thought I was never gonna get out. You're exactly right.
2: I'm so course, glad.
1: It's I'm tough, so man.
2: I'm
0: so,
2: I'm so glad you did, man. And oh. I think like, dude, I, I really believe you've already helped so many other, so many other people. And I say other people, cause you've helped me. And I, I truly mean that. And it's it's so important because, uh, you know, I've been doing this show for a couple of years and kind of doing something similar to you. And, um, you know, it, it's so important for all of us to be open to being inspired by other people. And, and like, that's it it takes an army to, to make a difference. It takes more than an army. Uh, It's going to take such a collective effort from so many people doing different things um, all over the place together and not together simultaneously, all of that um, to, to really make a difference, not just in hockey, but, but outside of hockey too, to have people have a greater understanding of, of what mental health and substance abuse looks like and and how it can happen and, and how we can battle through it and and, and also the impacts that it can leave on ourselves and loved ones and, and the damage it can do. There's just not enough of it. Um, there's not enough people talking about it. I don't think parents talk about it enough with their kids. I don't think it's in, talked about enough in hockey. I had no idea really what to expect moving away from home, going to play junior hockey and, and being thrust into all these different things. It was kind of just like you get there and you figure it out and you figure it out mm-hmm. by kind of following everybody else. And before you know it, you don't even know who the hell you are anymore. You're just talking, walking, chewing, doing whatever, yeah. like everybody else, you know, if you go home and your parents are like, who the hell are you? You're not talking the same. You're not walking the same. You're not all of it. So it's, it, it can be uh it can be a difference maker, uh, for for guys like yourself uh, to get out there and keep talking about this so that maybe even if just one person uh, cannot have to go down the same road that you and I went down, then it's all worth it. Um, DJ, we're going to have to do this again. Um, I'm sure we're going to be doing a lot of stuff together. Is there anything you want to say before we wrap up? You can come on my show anytime, dude. I love this.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, thank you, Brady. I mean, it took a lot for me to do. I know you don't like getting tanked, but, man, you you made me open up. You made me feel like it's comfortable saying this. And, you know, what, you're right. We need an army to do this, you guys. And uh, me and Brady been through it. And, you know, there's always light at the end of the tunnel, and we do recover. So yeah, speak up, guys. Speak up, because everything is going to be okay. And the end of the day, it's, uh, we're going to be here for you guys.
2: I love it. I love it. Make sure, whether you're watching or listening, make sure you go follow at DJ McGrath Hockey on TikTok and Instagram. If you're watching, it's at the bottom of the screen. If you're listening, it'll be in the description bio. DJ A Y M C G R A T H H O C K E Y. That's how we're going, DJ. It's DJ A Y McGrath Hockey on all social media platforms. DJ. thank you for this. Thank you for um, what you're doing, man. You're touching lives. You've turned your life around. You're an inspiration. There's so many people out there uh, that needed and need to continue to hear your message and to see what you're doing and to see how you've turned your life around because you're giving people hope. I'm proud of you, man. And if you ever need anything, you have my number. We're going to see you Hopefully in the next couple of weeks out here in Ontario, um, that would be incredible, man, and uh, that'll be just the start of many incredible things to come.
0: Yes, and thank you guys. Thanks for listening, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully I could come out in Ontario and play in that charity game and speak at a couple, couple things. So, no, thank you, Brady, for having me on, and guys, everything's going to be okay, and we it. got you guys. So.
2: I love it. Thank you, DJ. Yeah, we will. Uh, we'll chat later, man. Thank you so much. So much. I'll. I will. Uh, I'll be right back to wrap up the show. See you, Deej. See ya, man. That's DJ McGrath. We'll be right back to to wrap up the show. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets. Brady Leavold's biggest fan. Team issued is connecting all walks of life. Team issued does this by
0: recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger, a community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca promo code: towdrag fifteen for fourteen percent
3: off.
2: Make sure you go check out Team Issued on social media. That was an awesome conversation. Thank you to DJ McGrath. Raw and real. I love it. That's just the start. I know he's going to come back on here again. We're going to chop it up again. and It's a great, great starting point. If you're watching on Facebook, can you please go subscribe to the YouTube channel? I would greatly, greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you don't want to, you could just still share it and like it and do all that stuff. Appreciate that too. If you're watching on YouTube, please like it, subscribe, share, turn on notifications. That's a mouthful. Holy. Thank you to everybody, honestly, for all the continued support. It's been a... It's been a real struggle lately and I, I have a lot of incredible things going on in my life things that I never could have dreamt just a couple short years ago even like a year ago six months ago some of this stuff but even though there's a lot of great things going on in my life maybe on the outside it looks like it's so great there's so many days where nothing matters because I'm I'm just struggling so bad and I, I share this with everybody because I know a lot of people are struggling right now and I think maybe always have been but we got to keep going and there's uh, there's just so much good in this world and I find that there's this old adage I was told It was this too shall pass and I would just tell people I don't want to hear that this too shall pass this too shall pass because it never seemed to pass and I've kind of accepted that I'm likely going to have to live with a lot of these struggles for the rest of my life depression, bipolar severe anxiety it's gotten worse lately to be honest because I haven't been using the supplements that have been working for me I just haven't lately and that could be why but there's like a lot of other mitigating factors life like life happens life is hard but we're all in this together and I'm very fortunate to have people in and around me uh, that that are here to support me and if you have people in your life around you who are there to support you. It's okay to use them. And I need to take my own advice cuz still too often I sit here and people will be like, "Brady, you how are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm good." I'm not good. But sometimes it feels like I just don't even I can't talk about it. I don't want to burden. I just I don't I can't focus my energy on this right now. But when I don't talk about it, it gets worse. And that's sort of the message here in this podcast as you heard DJ say. It's going to be okay. Talk about it. Tell somebody about it. November the 12th in St. Mary's, which is down near London. Come check it out. Let's talk mental health. I'll be there in person speaking really looking forward to seeing everybody. Thank you to Elaine Sturt for putting it on and the Smith family. Uh, I know Dave and Eric Smith are going to be speaking in memory of Nick Smith. And I'm really hoping DJ can be there. But I heard if he's not there, it's going to be on Zoom, but it's just not going to be the same. So let's get him there. November the 9th. Oh, November the 10th. Man, I'm bad with dates. November the 10th, North Bay, Ontario, Nipissing University. I'll be speaking with myself, and then I'll be followed up by Dr. Robert Graham, PhD. He's recently written a book on resiliency. He's a friend of mine. He's a goalie coach. He's also on the board for puck support. And... Uh, really 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 looking forward to uh getting up to Nipissing University. I love the city of North Bay. Thank you to Denise Lafrance for putting it on. She is a prof Dr. Denise Lafrance, professor at Nipissing University and uh she's responsible for the Break the Ice mental health game up there at Nipissing University which will be taking place later on in November as well. Um thank you Denise. Puck Support, PuckSupport I don't often talk about Puck Support on here because I've felt awkward promoting something that I've essentially started. Uh, but I'm going to start doing more of it. I just want to say thank you. I know I say thank you a lot, but I owe. I could spend the rest of my life saying thank you for that. That's just the place I'm in. I, that's so many people have been so incredible to me. I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. But everyone who's supported. Puck Support, the clothing line. It's been going for a couple years, almost. Thank you. I have a Puck Support hat here. I don't have a Puck Support. I have a collabed Puck Support hoodie on. But all of our stuff has a name of a hockey player who's passed away from suicide or overdose in my hat. Tonight, Isaac Lee played hockey in Stettler, Alberta, outside of Red Deer. Passed away of an overdose in 2021. Marla, his mom, may be watching or listening to this, not live, but after. Um, she's wearing puck support with Isaac's name in it. I know the miners are watching. Love you guys. Um, thank you for all your support. This is the new Believe hockey sweater with the puck support collab on the arm maybe be able to get these down the line, but for now it's all puck support. Christmas is coming. It's around the corner. Get your shopping done early from puck support to make sure you get it because it's probably going to be crazy in and around that time. We want to make sure everybody gets their, their gifts for Christmas. Use promo code fall 2022. It'll save you a little bit of money. Everything we do here is in honor of all those we have lost and Sadly, this picture is missing 35-ish hockey players, and it needs to be updated. None of them are forgotten here at Puck Support. The Puck Support Network is now also a registered not-for-profit organization i'm very proud to say that it took a couple of years of spinning my wheels our wheels it felt like but we're finally there and we have plans to uh, to really implement some solutions and, and programs and and be a part of things moving forward to make a difference not just in hockey but beyond and uh, the puck support clothing line uh, will be contributing part of its proceeds back into the puck support network which is the nonprofit side they are two separate entities uh, but working closely together and um huge shout out to all the board members uh, who have come together and and made this possible thank you Uh, it means the world to me to know that uh, i have you guys uh Beside me on this journey, and now essentially taking over the journey, especially for the nonprofit, because I'm not on the board of directors. But I know it's in such great hands, and I'm just so thankful uh, that you saw the vision and that you believed in it. And and to everybody, uh, even if you're not on the board of directors, who who have seen the vision and who have watched and supported whether by sharing a post or by wearing a sweatshirt or a hat or having a conversation and telling somebody about puck support or hell just having a conversation about mental health or substance abuse in general thank you it's going to take all of us it's going to take all of us that's it until monday night 8 p.m. we'll be back here might be doing a couple more a week to catch up over the next little while but I got a busy November anyways that's all hello to my family back there in BC my mom my dad everybody my auntie Lee I'm thinking of you I love you Uh, we'll just leave it there but she got some tough news lately and uh, I'm gonna get back there to see you really 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 soon I I love you lots Um, And, of course, Brooklyn and Brody back there in BC. I love you guys. I miss you. And thank you, everybody, for watching, listening, wherever you're taking it in. I look forward to doing this for a long, long time. Until next time, be kind to everybody. It does not cost you a damn thing show some compassion if you are lacking kindness and compassion educate yourselves find a way to have a greater understanding of what somebody may be going through and how you can help and always make it a great day if you so choose
3: My life rookie of the year Swift as a bronco Made stuff in my gear Ask the pain when insane Yearning for that buzz Twelve year journey Through the depths of hell Criminal fentanyl A struggle that fell Abused, confused as the shadow Of who I once was Can't sleep Restless don't oh, go so night and thrill on the I need to get my last year back on track used to toe him like Wayne Gretzky And now I'm toe-tankin' homeless on Hastings In the Venus drugs weren't in the gang-notes wrong kind of how to ride the light in sideboard ignored and highly frightened parking the hell and back with my recovery rope can't sleep restless week up all night adrenaline i need to get my life here back on track Motions drain. I can't stop crying. Except for reflection, no sense lying. But inspirations are getting bad. Mental health over hockey. Gotta get people talking. Ignite the change. Believe me, is real. But the soul is lost. Changes from my former convictions, now I live for the fuck addiction, I got honest to honor the ones we lost, finally doing what I'm meant to do, Strap on your blade, you can follow me too, give me your ear to hockey and healing back podcast.
2: Can't sleep, restless,
3: weak, up all night on therapy, I need to get my life here back on track. Emotions strained, I can't stop crying, except my reflection, no sense lying, my inspiration's talking to hell and back. Ready leaves will lock your and